Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and uh, with ESPN's Courtney Cronin inside TCO Performance Center. What is up, Courtney? A crazy week, as always. Never a dull moment with this team, with uh, any team in the state of Minnesota. Um, honestly, it's kind of crazy that the Vikings, after the missed field goal, are now old news and very much buried news at this point, considering the Wild get Kirill Kaprizov here. Heard that's a pretty big deal. Not a big hockey girl myself, but I definitely follow along with the uh, Russian phenom. And then, man, I don't even know where we can start with the Minnesota Timberwolves, but Jesus, I'm glad that uh, we don't cover that team because that is a uh, that's a mess. That's a mess. The happiest person in Minnesota is Greg Joseph. Oh, my God. Just like... off the front page instantly. And I guess I would say that when we think about stability of franchises and why the Vikings ownership has stuck with the same coach and general manager, even though there has been plenty of what the H uh, with, you know, car accidents where deer are involved and people hanging off trusses and Adrian Peterson drama. Like there's been a lot of things that have happened to this team, but they haven't generally been rooted in the head coach and the general manager. Maybe the Stefan Diggs thing I would Mm -hmm. say probably was, but that's more of a player who has a beef with the way his franchise is handling their offensive philosophy. It is not a general manager uh, having an affair and being seen in public slash also alienating like a very large percentage of the inside of the building. Like we just haven't seen something like that. Mm-hmm. I would say the closest that we got though, not the affair part, uh, but the closest we got to alienating people in the building, wouldn't you say 2019 Zimmer at the end of the year, there was a lot of conversation when about When he and like, Spielman were trying to like distance themselves public, privately, but it became very public about who's on which side of this. And if this playoff thing goes wrong and there's a loss, one of us is going to get gone and it's not going to be me. Yeah, that was 100% what was happening in the month of December 2019. Yes. We all felt it. We all knew it. Those of us who were talking to people behind the scenes saw it too. It's just something that, you know, the infighting in franchises, like the one thing that like I see with this Timberwolves story, um, this happens in every professional sports franchises, the, the affair stuff included. And I'm not here to like get into like airing dirty laundry or anything on like, or I'm not saying anything about this team, but this stuff happens with every professional sports franchise. Do not kid yourself about that. The infighting, the debaucherous nonsense, all the BS that's happening behind the scenes. I mean, Gerson Rosas, the one thing I took from that story that the athletic wrote, about him blocking his number two from that Houston job, but also blocking him from coming into the building? What? Like, there's a lot of weird nonsense that was going on within that team that I promise you is going on in other franchises. It's just those who do a good job of distancing themselves from it or not letting it bubble over to where people are like, yeah, I want to talk about it. That's Those are the ones who can at least handle their nonsense, their off-the-field nonsense, and still win on the field. Well, and in 2019, there was also the possibility of uh, the trade to Dallas, which yeah. I believe was a very, re- real. A very real. Because the, the next day after the playoff, when Mike McCarthy's the coach in Dallas, it was like the timing of that was uh, not a coincidence. the fact that ownership, the Friday, of, Friday before the game, comes out with a statement... It says that they support, like vehemently support, whatever the wording was, uh, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. 
you don't do that if like where there's smoke there's fire and they just basically like tip their hand to what they were planning to do right exactly so we have seen this and there's also been things that i've heard about who has control over roster decisions and how you know certain people don't have decision power or like uh, they, they don't feel like they have any influence or any say in what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the analytics department, I think on the football side, not on the uh, front office side, but on the coaching side, uh, I believe has felt like they don't sure. have control. So the, these things do exist. And like you said, uh, there is a balance here to who's in charge versus having a sort of dictator type of feeling to it. And then also you can't embarrass yourself in public the way that uh, Gerson Rosas did. But your point, I think, is exactly right, that this stuff, uh, it exists when you don't win. Um, If you are Bill Belichick, for example, and you run the whole franchise, but you just keep winning, I mean, what can anybody say to you, right? But if you lose and lose and lose, which the Timberwolves have, and now the Vikings, see, this is the thing about going 0-2, is if we push the meter back a little bit, it's not just 0-2, it's... 7 and 11 since the beginning of last year. You go back to the end of 2019, you lose to San Francisco. So now it's seven of your last 19 games that you've won under Mike Zimmer. And I think this one in Seattle, it's got a ton of pressure oh going my gosh, into yeah. it. And and I know that what's being talked about here and most people, players and coaches, you ask, will say, yeah, we were a couple plays away from being 2-0. and But the pressure they must feel to win this game because of what's at stake. You can't be 0-3 going into a game where you host Kevin Stefanski and the Browns, and if you're the Wilfs, that's the coach that you let walk away. You had every chance. We're talking about that Dallas thing and the trade rumors. Who was your guy that you were going to replace Mike Zimmer with? It was Kevin Stefanski. So you can't have it be a situation where you're 0-3. You give yourself no breathing room to do that, and you play tight, you play terrible. Like, it it's a bad situation to be in. And when we're talking about early season firings and potentially a change at the top of this organization, if they're 0 and 3 and then soon to be after that 0 and 4, it's it's probably it feels very likely that something will happen either that or you can just say that ownership I don't know if you want to say that they don't care or that they're going to try to see this thing out or they're brainwashed, but like it would be I'd be very hard pressed to believe that they wouldn't do something after 0-4 if it got to that point. But, yeah, I mean, the mood around this team this week has kind of been, I guess, what you would expect. Almost, I wouldn't say delusional, but, like, there's also this, like, sense of, guys, we were right there. We were right there. And I get that because in in many ways they were, but in many ways they weren't. And if you don't get out to a fast start against Seattle like you did against Arizona, but you let, you know, you let them come back in the game – that's going to be a serious problem. They're fortunate that they're at home. The crowd noise should be very beneficial for throwing the offense off and, you know, the headsets going out and everything you expect on the road. They need this game. They absolutely need this game because being one and two is a huge stark difference than 0 and 3. If we go back, so I was just doing a little poking around here and talk about like, uh, have you been snake bitten recently? Last year in one score games, they were six and four and then oh and two here. So six and six. And if you even look at last year, uh, you sort of made your own bed with Dallas because you had a corner that didn't want to tackle somebody. But then you also got a good break in Chicago that a receiver had a ball go through his hands. That would have been a game winning touchdown by Nick Foles. You had, you know, some bad breaks. 
but you also had good breaks against uh, Carolina and Jacksonville. Uh, you, you know, the Chicago one, you made your own bed by not yep. being able to, you know, convert a, a final drive and that kind of thing. So I think that doing the whole we were almost there to- type of bit, I think that that works with a team that's young, that uh, has potential where you talk about, oh, well, they've shown signs. If you were the New York Jets and you lost two games by one score, you'd be like, OK, that works if you're inexperienced. You're right. Right. Not when you spent 46 million in guaranteed money on defensive players who have been on good teams before, who have been good players for you in previous years uh, that you brought back all of that stuff. Like it just kind of feels like it was like, again, like I remember, you know, they think they were, they think they're good enough. Are they? I don't know. Because it just felt like there was a little bit of delusion in that where it's, they're trying to like almost talk themselves into believing that. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it feels like is sort of speak it into existence that the first two games were a fluke and that they'll bounce back here. Now, both of us think that they will. Yeah. Uh, my pick for this game is that the Vikings win by three, that they get a big stop at the end or something of the like uh, on defense, that the crowd plays a major role in this and uh, that they come away one and two feeling like they have sort of saved their season and then go into another pivotal game against Cleveland. Um, There is a part of this that feels like, wow, you're playing playoff games already, and this is very stressful to do when you have a tough— Can you imagine they're going to do that over 17 games? Right. That's That's why it's always tough, and there's no Jacksonville— here on this schedule for the rest of the way, except for Detroit. Um, but last year's second half schedule was easier. You, explain your thinking, though, on why you are picking the Vikings. Well, for starters, they're one-point dogs at home. So I think the line on this game opened at four. Um, or maybe that was Arizona. I know that they were – it was a close – the line opened up close um, when Seattle loses the game to Tennessee, uh, and they – end up, you know, kind of looking a little bit more evenly matched than the team that just beat the brakes off Indy in week one on the road. Um, So I looked at that. I looked at a number of different factors from like a, you know, a wagering standpoint. I mean, Seattle is a team that in like six of their last seven road games, they've failed to cover. So like I looked at that saying, okay, is there something to that? Now, I'm not a huge gambling person, but when I'm trying to like pick a score and I pick them I picked the Vikings 28-27 to beat the Seahawks that was something I factored in um and like they've been playing on the road that's a big swing to go from Indy all the way home back to Minnesota like that's that factors into it also if if this team truly is as good as Mike Zimmer is saying he thinks that they can be you think about the teams that have gotten off to slow starts before 2017 they're 2 and 2 at the first uh you know at the first quarter of the season 2019 they had the you know the the win over Atlanta the loss at Green Bay the win over Oakland the loss at Chicago like they started out same thing 2 and 2 now this is a different stretch because you had to go on the road for your first two games you have a new secondary you're breaking in and like I know that's something we've talked about. Well, why were there so many busted coverages? Well, maybe it's a factor of this of the secondary communication, learning to play together, the whole thing, combining all different styles of players together, whatever. But if they truly are going to turn around the season, it doesn't happen like 0-3 and then they start doing it against Cleveland. It happens this week. And I think that there are some vulnerabilities with Russell Wilson at this point of his career. It's not the same guy that you faced in 2018 um, or, or, or even in like the playoff game, anything like that. I know that they've played them a lot and they do have experience and they know Russell Wilson should probably be in the NFC North at this rate, but 
I think there is a something to be said about the way that Tennessee was able to come back in that game and still run on Seattle that the Vikings can you know follow suit in that. So that's that's kind of what factored into my to my take like my take on this. Like, well, if they lose this game, will I think anything different of them? Yeah, I will say okay, they are a bad team because you cannot be zero three and make the playoffs. I just don't believe it, even in a seventeen game schedule. This is as must win as it comes. I know I said that last week. People are going to point that out. I'm sorry, when you are in this situation where it's coming down to one-score games and you can't follow through, like you don't get time to figure that out later on because when you do figure it out, it doesn't matter because you're out of the postseason race at that point, and we know it's going to be tight. Right, and uh, the way that Green Bay bounced back last week, I know it was against uh, Detroit, but you just can't expect that you can get down a couple of games early to Green Bay in the standings. Now we'll see. Um, what happens to them? They got to go out to San Francisco. That's not going to be easy. Cleveland is uh, hosting Chicago. So the teams that you're battling with could sort of keep you in the race, but the other NFC teams won't. And that's how it usually works is you get down and then everyone says, well, we'll just win these games or whatever, but there will always be other teams who are staying ahead of you, playing each other where someone has to win. You get a W. It becomes almost impossible. Now here's the thing with Russell Wilson is that on the road, he is 44, 28 and one in his career now he's better at home uh 55 18 and 0 but his numbers are still really good a 99 quarterback rating uh when he's at home 126 touchdowns to only 48 picks averages 240 yards passing a game eight yards an attempt almost i mean he is a surprisingly good road quarterback there are some quarterbacks who i remember drew Brees was this way who is so different on the road versus at home but i don't i don't think wilson is a guy who will necessarily be shaken by being at U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, the thing was, week one, when they play the Colts, they're talking about, oh, like, look how good Russ is in the Eastern time zone. They're using all these, like, road stats that you don't think mean much. Um, but you look at the consecutive number of wins that they've had when they – are in those situations and he plays in a pretty loud environment as it is. I know he plays on offense, but that place is still rocking uh, with a 12th man or whatever it is at, at century link field in Seattle. So he's used to playing in raucous environments. And I look at like the way that they've pr- been producing on offense, how this thing has changed new offensive coordinator for him, the same sort of system. I mean, Patrick Peterson today, uh, I think kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I compared them to the Rams a little bit just because of um, some of the principles and philosophies and the Vikings have played the Rams before and played them pretty close in moments. So maybe there's things you can take from that, but um, you know, I, I do think that there are things that the Vikings can take from last week's loss at Arizona. No, Kyler Murray is not the same quarterback as Russell Wilson. I'm not saying that like that Murray is a younger version of Wilson. I think they have a lot of similarities, but there are some differences there because Russ is somebody who will step up in the pocket and just drop a dime on you. But, you know, Tyler Lockett scares me. He really does. I think that they've got something going there, the two of them, and just the way that they're able to break off plays, which become backyard football, which become these like dangerous things. Like think about how many throws that Kyler Murray made under pressure, and it didn't phase him. He was like six for ten, 140 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Well, you were pressuring him. Well, Daniel still got three sacks, right? And those numbers are that good. Are they going to be just as good against Russell Wilson, even if your pass rush is doing all it can? It might be. So that's what kind of worries me when I look at them and just like, you know, all the all the f- things that fig- factor into Russell Wilson being as good as he is, you know, 
he's gone into some really stark like you know environments before that have you know they would shake any quarterback and he hasn't been that guy I just pulled this up over the last three years so of course he's a different quarterback now than he was early in his career over the last three years the only quarterback with a higher win percentage and quarterback rating than Russell Wilson on the road is Tom Brady well Patrick Mahomes the sure. the answer to every question mm-hmm. for who has the best statistic at everything it's Patrick yeah Mahomes, and I mean well and he's tied with Mahomes for that seven and0 record he has against the Vikings against any one single opponent mm-hmm. that's the second best record that any that any active quarterback has Mahomes has one two against the Broncos Tom Brady is the one who has like a nine and0 record against the Falcons because of course um that there's something to be said about that. A quarterback who has your number, who has your card. And it's not like they haven't played them close before. I think back to that game in 2019 where they had those back-to-back drives where they could have won that game on the road mm-hmm. last year. They could or two years ago. They could have won the game on the road last year. For sure. If it wasn't for, you know, that last drive where Seattle didn't even have to use timeouts and they just went down the field and absolutely dismantled your backup replacement quarterbacks cornerbacks um it's just wild to me like how good he is though and and just how how well he he does at picking apart this defense I think uh the reason though that I'm going to still pick the Vikings despite all the stats that we just gave you and you it should be concerning honestly that uh Wilson is so good on the road that he's clearly not shaken uh is that not only do the Seattle Seahawks not really pressure the quarterback, they also don't cover well. And this was the thing that they were super good at when they were at their best mm-hmm. is they had just had a great coverage unit where you had Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor. Yeah, and the defense had, that right. no longer exists, the Legion of Boom, Doom, exactly. whatever the hell it was called. So just going by PFF grades, they're 19th in coverage, but they've had a couple of corners who have really been shredded and – it feels like as long as Kirk Cousins does not come out overly anxious, which we have seen in big games before. Primetime game, technically. The, I mean, the 2019 game against Green Bay is the one that comes to mind for me, where they caused the fumble on the first drive, and then they, I think Kirk checked down to C.J. Ham like two times in the mm-hmm. red zone. Like if, if that version shows up, then change my pick. Like You're not going to win if the anxious... Uh, overwhelmed Kirk Cousins shows up. But if he doesn't, this is not a team who's going to necessarily get after him. And it's not a team that's going to cover effectively against Adam Thielen and against Justin Jefferson. I also think that Seattle just plays kind of an antiquated form of defense that we saw actually last year, last week. I mean, it just Mm -hmm. feels like even Arizona playing the single high and trying to load the box. It's like, what year is this? Everybody who's smart in the league is playing two deep safeties and then five-man fronts and doing all these creative things that these couple of teams are really not. And I think that when we've seen that in the past, Kirk Cousins takes advantage. Also, usually when he gets on a hot streak, he kind of rolls. And it's usually not one or two games. It's usually three or four games when he's won player of the month and things like that before. So um, I, I think that he continues to play well, and this is a good matchup for the Vikings offense and that they can do enough on defense, especially since Wilson takes a lot of sacks with Daniel mm-hmm. Hunter playing the way he is, that they can do just enough on offense to get a win here. I do too. And I think that Kirk, the way he's playing right now, we, we can't blame Kirk Cousins for the two losses that they had. I mean, yes, there are moments where he could have played better, but statistically, and I always we always throw caution to the wind here with like the passer rating, that's this, like 90-plus passer rating for 16 consecutive starts. I look back at that. 
So you remember what when that started was like the 26th or something of September last year, and I went back, oh, that's the Tennessee game where he had a chance to lead the team down the field for a fourth-quarter comeback, and he didn't. Um, he doesn't have the interceptions that he did last year. Remember how bad they were, 10 and 6 games? Like, he doesn't have one yet. The only other quarterback who's thrown more touchdowns without an interception is Russell Wilson this year. So Kirk's playing really well. I don't know if there's like a science down to like what that's um, – you know what that is? Because honestly, after week one, I was nervous, thinking, okay, he's not going to play well at all Like going forward. like He was really – yes, he did get them in position in getting them through the fourth quarter, setting up the field goal, getting them to overtime where they could have won that game if there wouldn't have been a fumble. But he's playing really well right now. If you get the version of him that doesn't look like deer in headlights and just like shook, like – that's going to bode well for you. I think that this will come down to, like you mentioned, because Russ is going to get his, even though he's not the let Russ cook version of himself and they've kind of gone away from that and they still run the ball a lot. I think Kirk Cousins will be the, the what win do you this game against Seattle. So the, the Cousins and how he's played is an interesting conversation because it's a little bit of, uh, in the first game, light the house on fire and then put it out. Mm-hmm. The same You know, the same person is... Lighting the house on fire and then fighting the fire. If you've seen the meme, it's like if we could only find the person responsible for this, right? That's that was kind of I mean, it wasn't just him. It never is just the quarterback in any situation, but there have been too many drives that are three and outs. The second half of the game in Arizona, same thing. And you can pin that on Clint Kubiak or Mike Zimmer or whoever, but throws were not made by cousins. Drives were not led until they got to the very last one where they needed to go down and set themselves up for field goal position. So you could say in part that like, even though the statistics came out looking good because of some big plays, especially the KJ Osborne one and a very nice touchdown to Justin Jefferson, yeah. very mm-hmm. nice touchdown to Adam Thielen that uh, cousins kept both the Bengals and Arizona in the game by not having an extra gear. But that's the reality of what you have here. It's like you don't have a quarterback who has an extra Russell Wilson gear, so you have to make your field goals and extra points, and you have to play really well on defense to win games against good teams. I'm not convinced that Arizona is a good team yet. I think they're okay. I think they're like a six seed. Um, But now I think Seattle is a good team, a real good team. Now they're not perfect, but they have a top three quarterback or top four quarterback in the league. So it's not going to take – an okay effort. It can't take one of these, oh, the first three drives are three and out or four mm-hmm. or five and out. I mean, it, it has to be right from the outset, just like it was in Arizona, or then you start to get everybody in the building, including the fans who have seen this over and over again. As I mentioned, seven wins in your last 19 football games. I think the fans get anxious quick when you're 0-2 if it doesn't start really well. The season's on the line. I hate being that person, but it is. like It's on the line right now entering week three because 0-3, 0-2, those are big holes to dig yourself out of. If they're going to do it, they have to do it now because I think you're going to get people starting to get off the the Vikings fan, I mean, fan wagon, whatever you want to call it. Like, I mean, and that's not really what I care about all that much, but 
I think just for like the belief in this team, because think about like what you were talking about with like Kirk and, and the numbers and how good he plays in certain stretches. There is no October that has the De- the New York Giants, the Detroit Lions, the Washington football team, a it's bunch true. of other schmucks that are in there. Like it's a hard schedule. They've got Baltimore. They've got, you know, a, a Panthers, Francisco. a Panthers team that might be actually decently good. Um, they've got San Francisco. They've got the Chargers. Like, they've got a really tough stretch. Green Bay's in there. Like they don't have this throwaway give me stretch where Kirk can go light it up and be NFC player of the month the way that he has the last couple of years. It's a gauntlet and they've got to prove themselves that they can handle that because they just have not in years past at all. So if you don't win this week, I hate being that person again to say it's over, but you can, can you, can you disagree with me to think that it's not? Oh, and three, even if Green Bay and Chicago you got to be thinking there's going to be an injury or some sort of catastrophic yeah. something that's going to allow you to skate through to get in the playoffs if you're zero and three to start the season. Correct. And I know the Colts did it a few years ago, and the Houston Texans did it, and I don't care. Like this team feels very fragile still. Like mm-hmm. yes, they were two plays away at the end of the day. There are a lot more plays than that that they that caught the cost yep. themselves, yep. but. We will remember that game for Dalvin Cook's fumble in Cincinnati. We will remember that Greg Joseph missed a chip shot. But this team feels very fragile. If they don't get a win, I wonder when they start fracturing internally because it feels like they're very close to that. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs The Tecmo fans will appreciate check it all out at sodastick.com that is s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com everything is screen printed here in minnesota and i can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now soda stick at this point again that's sodastick.com minnesota sports inspired goods and keep your eye out for our soda stick giveaways Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If Chicago and Green Bay lose, it won't feel like the world is over because it will look like Green Bay is every bit as vulnerable and Chicago might just be like not good. Uh, They're playing Cleveland at Cleveland, Mm -hmm. so that's not an easy opponent. And with Justin Fields starting. Right, with a rookie, yeah. So, you know, but they wouldn't look so much as a real contender if Chicago's one and two and Green Bay gets beaten down by San Francisco or something, I think – we would still say they're the favorite, but they won't look as tough. Uh, but if those teams win, if Chicago and Green Bay wins, and you are down two games from the very outset of the season, chasing in the NFC North, and no other team is going to let you into it, like they're, they're going to fill up those playoff spots, sure. it will feel like, yeah, it's over. And then I think we go into week four, and we start talking about 
Like, is it time? When mm -hmm. is it time? What do you need to do here? And I guess what the biggest thing that would uh, exist in my mind is even if you like the people and you think that they're good and you think that they're stable, unlike the Wolves and so forth, mm -hmm. unlike some other teams, I, I think you'd say, like, how – how much longer can you do this, though, when you're getting the same results over and it's over? It's the definition of insanity, expecting the same results, so expecting a different result, but the same thing keeps happening. You keep going to the well, and you expect something different. I'm not saying this team is not capable of coming back out of this hole. It's half the reason I picked them to win this week. There's a desperation factor here, whether they want to believe in it and talk about it publicly or not. You don't want to play that way because you're going to play tight and you're going to miss, you're going to miss assignments, miss tackles. We've seen them in that situation before where it's game on the line and they just completely crumble. All the times they had to back into the playoffs, remember Indy 2016, Chicago 2018, all these moments that they've had where it's like do or die time, and they died. Like, you know, sh Chicago last year and New yep. Orleans last year. Yep. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I think that they know what they have to do. It's just a matter now of you can you rest this on Kirk Cousins' shoulders because I don't know with this defense. Like, I'm still not for sure, like, how legit they are. I mean, yeah, they've, they looked – you know, Daniil Hunter's wonderful. That's great. Had no qualms about that. Anthony Barr – might come back this week. Big question there. Do you replace Nick Vigil with him? Because Nick Vigil's been playing really darn good. I don't know how you do that in nickel. Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, the secondary is still a giant question mark, and now they're injured. So what's what's that going to look like? Um, I think you've got to put the weight on the offense, considering how good the offense was last year at home. Kirk's numbers were really good. Uh, granted, there were no fans, nothing like that. But he looked really good at home last year. How does that translate to them needing to beat Seattle? You hope Seattle's defense is every bit as porous as it was yep. a year ago because it looked like it in that Tennessee game and the way they let them back in. Sure did. No one's ever said Seattle's a great defense in recent years. Right. In recent years. And I think that if you play the same team with the same coaches and the same quarterback over and over again. Yes, it's like a division opponent. Right. It really is. Yeah, there's a familiarity there that really screams out close game. And screams then, out your failures. <laughs> and then... Can you close it? And they haven't done that in these first two games. And uh, when have they closed out a game? Can you think of mm -hmm. that? Like, but it depends on like, are we grading this on a curve? Like, does Jacksonville count? Like, no, right? Carolina, yeah, yeah I know. No, when like, that's the thing. Like, close out a game that that like, you that thought matters. was big. Yeah, I mean, outside of the wild card mm -hmm. game against New Orleans, that they won a coin toss to win, like. I don't know. I think that's the thing where think about this. Like Kirk has three fourth quarter comebacks in his career since he joined the Vikings in 2018. One of which was that Denver game, I believe. Um, you can do it against mediocre opponents. That's great. But Seattle's, a, I think, a very good opponent. The NFC West is going to be really tough to figure out who's making it to the playoffs when all four of your teams are playing great. I think last year they closed out Chicago On at the Soldier road. Field. Yeah. yeah, was probably the last one that mattered and they closed them out because even when you go back to 2016 or I'm sorry, 2019, there weren't many wins against good teams that year. I think Philadelphia would be the one, but, but that was kind of a kill. I mean, yeah. they just sort of ran over Philadelphia. So was there a close game in 2019? I'm looking right now, Denver. That's the only one, but not a good team. Not a good team. Correct. You, shouldn't, you shouldn't have been down 20 points in that game. I mean, that's, that is the thing that is, got to be so frustrating for Vikings fans is that over these last few years 
they just every time they have an opportunity sort of right there to show that there's something, show that there's something there, show that they can close out a big game, win a big game. It just has not happened. It has not happened since 2017, really, with this team. There's the occasional big win, but, I mean, not that many of them, though. And uh, and this right here, I think if you're going to say the season is different, this year is different, those first two games were flukes, this year is different than last year, Then because the defense hasn't been different than last year at the start of the season. So this year is different. This is the win you get to prove that it's different. Mm -hmm. And then you can go forward and see where you could take this. But if you don't get this win, there is no convincing anybody that anything is different. Correct. No, I completely agree because, A, it's the same result it's been the last two weeks. There's no turning point at that point. Right. Because I think Cleveland will end up beating Chicago this weekend. I still think Cleveland, even in that loss to Kansas City in week one, they're a playoff favorite for me. And the drama that's going into that game, you want to like try to get it, like try to right the ship and do everything else when you're dealing with all the ancillary nonsense that comes with Kevin Stefanski coming back to town. Yep. You know, Mike Zimmer, you want to you know beat the guy that you know walked out of here and became head coach of the year in year one, and you know you you you've heard the noise, you heard that they wanted him over you. Like, come on, that's like that's too much. And if you don't get it right this week, I think that they are doomed in week four. Uh, let's close out this way is uh, what surprised you most in the NFL so far through two weeks? I mean, the injuries suck. Like uh, the quarterback injuries are just not fun to, um, to, you know, deal with. I mean, we talk about like Tua and then Carson Wentz, who I, I mean, that's not a surprise to me. Oh, the guy can't stay healthy. He hasn't stayed right. healthy since he was drafted, whatever. Um, I'd say, honestly, it's probably the Dallas Cowboys. You like, think they've look, because they've looked good? Yeah. And it's not that, like, I don't believe in their offense. I do. It's that they won in spite of, like, losing their best defensive player. Um, Dak went down and beat Tom Brady. Like, almost beating Tom Brady. Yes. Excuse me. Yeah, Dak like, played incredibly well in the cr- game. Yeah. Yes, and, like, in, in, like, got so close there with, like, as bad as they looked in moments. Still came back. And they win last week. I think that... Not that the NFC East, not that I really had any sort of belief in any of the other teams. I I do think Washington, and I have said that I thought Washington could probably win that division. The Cowboys, though, like look legitimate to me. They really do. I just wonder, like you know, when we talk about that October thirty first game mm-hmm. when they play the Vikings at US Bank Stadium, what version of them are you getting? Are you getting a team that looks like a Super Bowl contender? Or are you getting a team that like, eh? They made it through like weeks like three through six and they look terrible and they're back to earth and the offense can't carry the weight. Like, what do they look like? But no, of any team that surprised me, that's probably one of them. I'm I'm not surprised that Kansas City lost last week, by the way. I'm not. I think that they were due for that. I thought that, I thought that like the confidence that Jim, that uh, John Harbaugh has in Lamar Jackson and just like the way that they went down and won that game, that was impressive. And I was not surprised by that. Also, um, I guess some of the risk-taking from Mahomes was bound to bite him occasionally. Sure. And that happened. He had a yeah, sort of Jameis human. Winston he's not, moment. He's not mortal. Right. Or he is, I- he is mortal. Immortal. immortal. Not moral would be maybe what happened with the Wolves. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just going to say the Raiders, uh, for me, have yeah. just looked great. And I think that that's 
They got away with one in the first game, of course. But talk um, about a winner or make or break season for them. Yeah, I think that like Derek Carr has really looked like a franchise quarterback, and I don't know if I've thought that since he had the twelve and four season. But even then, it was a lot of checkdowns. He's been really aggressive this year, and if he keeps that up, that could turn into a big surprise in that division. That they might even have a chance to win it. And Atlanta being a complete joke is not something I thought was going to happen. I thought Do you they think would they change. beat the Giants this week. I don't know. I it's, don't. I actually think the Giants yeah. will win that game, which is crazy to think that like Atlanta and all of its new stuff and new changes. And I thought it would work. Like I thought it would work. I thought Kyle Pitts was supposed to be this like super great player. And I mean, we'll see uh, yeah. if they improve. But I thought that like the coaching was a big issue. And uh, wow, through two weeks, just like not good. And their defense is still horrid. So I think the Giants win that game, too. Uh, anyway, well, we'll see how this one goes and we'll talk next week and we'll either be talking about how the season once again rests on Cleveland or we'll be talking about all the hot seats. Those are the only two outcomes unless there's a tie and then I'll just we won't do a podcast. I, I, I don't know. We'll just we'll turn on the recorder and just be like, I don't know. Do you know? No. You have to get blank noise for forty minutes. The the weirdest feeling ever walking out of a stadium was the tie in Green Bay. Oh my where god! Like, I didn't um, know what to do. I was like, uh, I was like, wait, we changed the overtime rules. Well, when did is, that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like Donovan McNabb. Wait, it's over. Uh, okay, so we'll see how it goes, and we'll get together again next week. Thank we'll you for your time. You.